If you don't know, I am the oldest of five girls. I have four younger sisters. And in very stereotypical firstborn fashion, I like to be in charge of my sisters. Actually, I like to be in charge in general. But this story is about my sisters. I remember when I was like 11 years old, I was really into the American girls. Who's with me? Yeah, yeah. I got I got the doll Kirsten for Christmas one year. And and then, you know, after reading all of her books, I found out that you could get the play. You could get the Kirsten story play. And so as I was really into theater, I begged and, and condoled and I got it. And I decided my sister and her friends were going to star in the play with me. And we were practicing in the basement together. I was taking it very seriously. There was this really, um, there was this really horrible part of the story where her best friend dies on the boat on the way over from Sweden to America. And it's really serious, and I'm taking this story so seriously, but my sister, Chelsea, does not want to be there. And she comes, enters in at her part, gliding in across the room on one roller skate, and she ruined the whole thing. I was so angry with her. How could she do that to me? No one was watching. I don't know why I took it so seriously. Now, I tell you this story because you need to just know me a little bit before we get into our topic today, which is submission. Mutual submission, really. Now, submission's not really a topic I like. It doesn't come to me naturally. I like to, like I said, I like to be the one in charge. I like to be telling people what to do. Um, and really, I don't think it's a topic that most people want to talk about. I mean, whenever I told people I was preaching this week, of course, the next question is, where are you preaching on? Submission. Oh. Or why? <laughs> or how did that happen? Why are you doing that? And I really was like, I think I submitted. Um, but <laughs> it's a hard topic to talk about because, unfortunately, a lot of times, submission has been misused and it has been used to abuse people within Christian communities. And for that reason, I have been at times scared to talk about this because I've been afraid that what I might say could be used to further harm people who've already been hurt. At the same time, after studying and praying, I am really hopeful that this topic and, and this sermon today and God's word can bring healing and that it can bring power to you through submission. With that said, let's begin. Um, our passage today is in Ephesians. It falls with at the end of a long exhortation from Paul to the Christians that they're, when they're called to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. He says that in Ephesians 4, 1. And he also talks about living together in love. And, and those are two elements that are really important when we're going into this passage. So Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. It should be behind me. I'm using the English Standard Version today because it is the most literal in some ways. And there's some important parts from the Greek that I'm going to pull on. So that's what we have. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but 
be filled with the Spirit. I want to emphasize this line, be filled with the Spirit. Here we have a definite command right in the middle of the passage. And, and this, this command is described by what's followed. So to be filled with the Spirit looks like addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. All of these things are things that we recognize pretty traditionally, right? Of being filled with the Spirit, acts of worship, you know, um, focusing on God. And then we have those, the last one, this last participle, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Just as singing and giving thanks and addressing one another with psalms are actions of, of what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ is a result of being filled with the Spirit. A fruit of the Spirit that should be seen in your life as Christians, really, is submitting to one another or mutual submission. Now, immediately, this begs the question, what is submission? Webster's Dictionary says it is to yield to governance or authority, implying that there is definite authority who is governing over you. But if we're submitting to one another, if we're submitting to each other and to our peers, there isn't somebody who absolutely has the authority and we can say, that person is above me and so I should submit to them. That doesn't exist. We, this is, he's calling us to submit to our equals, to our peers. So what does that mean? What does that look like? How, how does that work? Um, first... The first thing that needs to be said is that mutual submission always begins with submission to God. Submission here, it is the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. If we try to submit to one another apart from God's strength, apart from his spirit in us, it's going to fall short. Submission is also done in verse 21 in reverence to Christ. So in worship to God, in, in awe and fear of him. It all starts with God. Next, it's, all, it's really important to recognize that submission always has to do with power. And this is where we start to get a little uncomfortable. The difference with mutual submission is that we're not submitting to a hierarchy in place, but we're yielding our power to one another. The truth is we each have power. I don't know if you realize it or not. But you all have power to make, to influence other people, to make decisions to, um, to, you know, either build people up or to bring them down. We all have power. And with mutual submission, we're choosing to submit our power, submit our will to the will of another. Does that make sense? We're supposed to submit our will, our choices, our desires to somebody else's. Richard Foster defines this as self-denial. We're choosing to deny ourselves of our, our choices, our desires, for the sake of another person. This is all done in love. Ephesians 5, 1, or is it 2, it says that we are to walk in the way of love. It is, it is all done in love. So, I'm going to try to summarize everything that I just said. The best and concise definition I came up with, or, or read even, was 
that biblical mutual submission is a voluntary yielding to one another in love. We are giving up our right to be in control. We give up our power over another person in order to love and care for them the best way that we can. And this is expressed throughout scripture in many different ways. Love your neighbor as yourself. Bear each other's burdens. Jesus said, everyone who wants to be first must be last and the very servant of all. But the one verse and the passage that kept coming to me over and over again as I was studying was Philippians 2. Paul writes, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And he gives Christ as an example. In your relationships one another, with one another, have the same attitude of mind Christ Jesus had. Who, being in very nature God, he was the all-powerful one and is the all-powerful one. He, being God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He did not use his power for his own good. But as we go on, it says, being found in appearance as a human being, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He used his power for the good of us all. That's what submission looks like. Voluntarily yielding to one another in love. To submit is to be like Christ. We're not looking to our own interests, but we're looking to the interests of others in all of our actions. We're we're doing what Christ did, not clinging to his status. And he did that throughout his life, not just on the cross, but throughout his life. He took care of and spent time with people who were the lowest in society, like children and women who were not respected at the time. He would heal the blind and touch the, the leprous, which at that time, I mean, you could get leprosy through contact with another leper. So people, they, were, they were the outcasts of society. And he went out of his way to, to yield to them, to, to take care of them in love. And finally, before he went to the cross, he submitted to the Father when he said, not my will, but yours be done. His entire life was patterned in this lifestyle of sacrifice and submission. And he calls it to us to that because it's the best thing for us. One commentator said that to the effect of um, when we submit to one another, we are helping each other fulfill our destiny. Destiny to me is a, I don't know, it's one of those words that I kind of feel is a little cheesy. But really the purpose, the, the, the end result, the meaning of what he said was, When we submit to one another, we are becoming and helping other people become who it is that God intends us and the other people to be. We are becoming who it is God wants us to be when we submit to one another. I was driving down Spear the other day, trying, you know, right after preaching team, trying to get my mind around submission and and community and... um, I was watching traffic and looked up and realized 
Well, I, kind of, I guess I kind of saw what submission could look like. Traffic, the, the traffic on the street became a picture of submission to me. Have you ever seen it when everybody's following the rules? You know, people are generally driving the speed limit. People are letting each other into a lane, um, not, not pulling ahead and, and um, blocking one other person out, but really paying attention to the rules of the road and watching out for one another. Sometimes when I've seen that, it just feels like a dance because everything's moving in and out and, and, and very smooth, very gentle and graceful. And it hit me. That's what submission and community can look like. When we, are, when we are following the rules that God has placed for us, yielding to one another, sometimes literally on the road, yielding to one another, letting other people in, um, working towards the best interests of everybody, we become this community, this beautiful place where everyone is, is you know, united to one another and, and safe. That's what mutual submission should look like. Community, safety, united together in love. Unfortunately, it's, this has largely been distorted by the church and by other people who misuse scripture. Um, and for that reason, I really feel like I need to spend some time talking about what submission is not. Submission cannot be forced. It is voluntary. It is done willingly. You do it. Someone doesn't make you do it. If someone is manipulating you, trying to control you, forcing you to submit, you need to pay attention to the red flag that goes off. They are practicing an authority over you that is not loving. It is more for themselves, most likely. Again, true submission is not done in fear of another person. If you are being forced to do something in fear, Pay attention to the red flag. You're not submitting to them in reverence to God. It's done out of it's done of a place of insecurity. Sometimes the twisted thing is sometimes our insecurities can come within ourselves. We can begin to feel insecure, not because of what somebody else is doing, but maybe something that someone has done to us in our past. And and you know, you know the insecurity I'm talking about, right? When we question ourselves and we're not sure of ourselves and and um we might choose to just follow along with everybody because of that. I would even say then we can pause a little bit and, and get ourselves healed, um, find some healing for ourselves. Because I have found that in my marriage, for example, I will be afraid to express my opinion or something, not because of anything Tim has done, but because of my own baggage. And at that time, I'm I can recognize that my submission to him isn't actually honoring to him. It is fearful. If you have questions about that, you can call, talk to me later. Um, finally, submission never requires you to do anything against God's will. If a spouse or a boyfriend, girlfriend, a friend, um, someone in a position of authority over you, even the government tells you to do something that goes against scripture. And even if in your conscience, you just feel this little red flag waving around, you don't know exactly what's wrong. Pay attention. 
Fran, when I preached this morning afterwards, Fran came up to me and said, you know, these little red flags, we can go to one another and affirm and ask, you know, I'm feeling this way when this person is talking to me. I don't know what I should do. You know, talk to one another. People will affirm your, your hesitancies or, or, you know, maybe help you through them. Um, but we need to pay attention to these red flags that go off in our mind. God does not want us to be abused. And really, when we, when we submit to abuse, we're not helping the abuser in any way. Because they are just being empowered in doing wrong. And it's hard. It's hard to stand up to abuse. I've seen people who have done it and then it ends up biting them because people around them end up, there's some consequences and it gets really uncomfortable. So we need to be careful when it comes to abuse. All right. I want to move on and talk about what does submission look like in our relationships? Um, what does it really look like in our community? What does it look like with one another? First, I'm going to talk about what mutual submission looks like within the church, relating to leaders, pastors, and lay people or congregants, and maybe followers. I don't know what you want to call them. Um, and thankfully, Scripture addresses this pretty blatantly and, and tells pastors and, and the congregants how to behave, how to, how to treat one another. First uh, Peter 5, beginning in first one, says, verse 1, says, To the elders among you, and elders are the pastors. Um, back at that time, pastors were usually the older people in the community. Um, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Being shepherds, that's, that points us back to Jesus immediately who called himself the good shepherd who laid down his life for his flock. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Pastors and spiritual leaders are shepherds watching over the people. They're eager to serve, not looking for their own gain, not strutting their authority around in the face of everybody else who's underneath them. But they are examples. Elders do not leave, lead out of self-service, but out of caring for one another. They, are voluntary, they voluntarily yield for the good of the community in love. Now, the word submit is never applied to the, the elders per se here, but I find this next line really fascinating in verse 5. In the same way, he switches and talks to the younger people. In the same way, you who are younger submit to your elders. In the same way as what? In the same way as the elders are submitting to you. In the same way as they are serving you, submit to them. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. 
We, none of us are to be lording over one another, but in humility serving each other, yielding our authority and our power for the good of those around us in love. If you are under a pastor who serves his congregation well, I hope and believe that scum is one of those places, and you observe that he or she is not doing anything for their own gain, but caring for the needs of the people, the best thing you can do is submit. They're watching out for your own good. Hebrews 13 calls, people, calls congregants to submit again because they are watching out for what's best for you. Trust. It, it takes trust, and I know that. But it is a good thing. And if you find yourself in a leadership position... Even if it's not in Christian leadership, if you are a manager or um, perhaps are leading a group at school or I don't know, there's all the different ways that you can be leading. This is the example of what leadership should look like for you. All of these words, I believe, do apply, even if you're not in the church. It's mutual submission, submitting to one another in reverence to Christ. Okay, the next re relationship we're going to discuss is the marital relationship. So we're going to go back to Ephesians 5, and we're going to start in verse 21 where we picked up, we left off. Um, now, the marital relationship is discussed all the way through verse 33, but we don't really need all of that. Um, this is going to take some explanation here of interpreting this verse, this passage correctly. All right, remember, verse 21 is dependent on the verse that came before it. Be filled with the Spirit, right? Remember that? Be filled with the Spirit, submitting to one another in reverence to Christ. In the same way, verse 21 is stuck to verse 22 in the verses that follow. Um, your Bible might have a break between these verses, saying instructions for Christian households or um, household codes or something like this. And these, these breaks are really meant to help, but in this case, I think they can hurt because we, we end up separating in our mind what went before from what comes after. And these are all connected. All these verses are connected. Especially grammatically in the Greek. Um, in the Greek, verse 22 is grammatically dependent on verse 21. I'm going to read a more literal reading than maybe what's in your English translations. Submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ, wives, to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. The word submit is actually not in verse 22. It is borrowed from verse 21. Now, wives are still called to submit. I'm not saying that because of verse, the word is gone that, you know, wives, you're off the hook now. That's not the point. My point is verse 21 is actually more better understood as a heading to everything that follows with the Christian household codes. Submitting to one another in reverence for Christ is a description of how Husbands and wives should interact together. Does that make sense? Tim said I went over it too fast this morning, so I'm making sure. When we submit to one another in reverence for Christ, we do it in our marriages mutually. So wives, submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. 
pretty clear, right? Husbands, again, underneath submitting to one another in reverence for Christ. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. A marital relationship is about mutual submission. It's about presenting one another in, in a way that builds each other up. Um, Tim and I have been talking about this a lot this last week. Tim's my husband, by the way. We've been married for seven years. Um, and he, he had this to say relating to marriage and submission. A hierarchy is simple. You do what your boss tells you or there will be consequences. You're basically powerless if you want to keep getting your paycheck, but nobody likes that feeling of powerlessness. Nobody wants to be trampled on. We try to get some power back by either working our way to the top of chain command or by just leaving. And he adds, I'm, I'm leaning towards leaving my job right now. Things can get ugly when we bring that struggle for power into our relationships. And we talked about what that might look like if, if, we're, if we're struggling to try to have control. Because if one person is lording over and having this authority that, that is self-serving in a marriage, the other person's going to try to come back, right? I mean, you're, you're going to try to manipulate to gain control. And that often looks like passive-aggressive behavior, shouting. Sometimes it's silence or withdrawing, emotions, crying, even using spiritual abuse calling out passages from Bible, the Bible that are grossly misused. That's not what a marital relationship looks like. Instead, it is submitting to one another in reverence for Christ, yielding to one another in love. In our relationship, mutual submission, well, we, we realize it's kind of hard to point out what it looks like. Um, sometimes it, I guess it's just discussing decisions that we need to make, considering who might know more on a subject, maybe going towards their knowledge and authority on the matter. Um, sometimes someone just has to make a decision. We come to a draw, and <laughs> frankly, it's whoever cares the most at times. Um, each time it's different. Recently, we decided to buy a new mattress. Um, ours was like this, like there was mountains <laughs> in the mattress, really not comfortable. Um, so we decided to get a mattress, and I really wanted a memory foam mattress. You know, do you, anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, so great. But Tim did not want one. I don't know why. <laughs> he did not want one. I think I thought it was too soft or something. Um, but two or three weeks ago, we went out to buy a mattress. And now that I'm pregnant again, I've had some really serious discomfort sleeping, um, pain in my hips, waking up crying because I'm in so much pain. And we went to the store to buy the mattress. We're both lying down on the mattresses, and Tim was pretty quiet. Like, he didn't really say very much while we were there. And then he turned to me and he said, you decide. So we got a memory foam. 
He left it up to me because he recognized I had the greater need. I really appreciate that. I've slept so well. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> um, another way a submission looks in our marriage, and this one might seem kind of silly. Um, for example, what color we paint the inside of our house. Decorating. Now, that's typically like a female's thing, right? Well, actually, Tim is really good at it. He's really good at picking out the colors. He's really good at seeing what, what looks right together. Um, and for really, for most of our marriage, he has done the decorating around the house. When we had an apartment a few years ago where we could paint it, um, he, paint, he picked everything out. He picked out the colors. And I, I, let, I, just, I really submitted that to him. In some ways, I wanted to fight him and be like... But, 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 what if, what if we did this? And, you know, really got anxious about it. But in the end, I recognized that he cared about this a lot. It would honor him to have him do it because he liked to. And so we did. He did. We kind of need to figure things out as we go along. Mutual submission is one of those things that it's, it can be hard to pinpoint what it looks like. And it can be really hard in community, especially with peer relationships. Um, each, each relationship and an interaction is different because each person is different. And so we need to be discerning about what it looks like. Oh, that reminds me, discerning. Because it comes from the Holy Spirit, mutual submission, it comes from the Holy Spirit. He's going to help us figure out when we need to submit and when we don't. Makes sense, right? Like, if, if he cares about it and he wants us to do it, he's going to help us recognize when we need to. Um, so here at SCUM... For example, we might not like the style of worship, and we might come to a point where we have a place of voice or authority to, to say something about it. Now, it might not be, well, how do I say this? Scum's worship style has been the same for a long time. And for one person to come along because they don't like it, here or in any church, really, can cause more problems than not. Um, this is one place where we can submit. We can choose that for the sake of the community, it's better to let things keep continuing on as they do rather than fighting it. Other small, simple examples. If you're extroverted, do you give the introverts in your life a chance to talk? Um, if you're going to dinner with friends, who decides most frequently to go and Why? Um, at work or school, are you looking to make yourself look good or are you in it for the team? Submission can be as small as yielding the choice for going to a movie or deciding where to live. I don't know, I don't know what submission would look like in your life. I don't know what your, your jobs look like. I don't know each of your details of your life. So you're going to have to kind of figure this out as you go. But in the meantime, when you think about that, I want to share with you what submission has looked in my life for the last few years. And really, it's, as I was reflecting on it, it's become part of my life that it's kind of, um, well, it's led my life in some ways, me needing to submit. Um, in 2005, Tim and I moved here from Minnesota so that I could come to Denver Seminary to get my MDiv. Um, and his moving here, he was, he was yielding to me there. Um, when I graduated in December of 2008, well, as we prepared to graduate, and actually my son was born that same month, I assumed that we would move back to Minnesota. 
I think I always thought that when we moved out here, it was just for a time and that eventually we'd go back to my family and, and closer to his family, that we would rejoin this community that we had been a part of that was really wonderful and is really wonderful. But when it came time to make this decision and we were in a, in a definite transition in our life, um, Tim did not want to move back. He wanted to stay here in Denver. Tim had formed, had formed some great relationships that are still ongoing um, that were very important to him. And also, he had fallen in love with Scum of the Earth Church more than I had at the time, honestly. Um, while he was planting roots deeper here in Denver, I was seeing mine ripped up. My friends who were at school with me were moving back to wherever they came from. And it was just, I just thought, okay, it's time for us to move back too. A church I had internship, had an internship at right before graduating, it closed its doors. The, the church didn't exist anymore. I didn't know what life in Denver would look like for me. It scared me. I felt like life was ending for me here. So we had this tension going on. Um, and I began applying for jobs. And Tim was looking for schools to go to for automotive technology. Um, so when we went back to Minneapolis to visit my family and his family, Tim visited two schools there. And I had a job interview where I was actually offered a position. Not, not in a ministry position, but it was a job. Um, we, we kind of made plans to move back. Like, we were moving forward towards moving to Minnesota. Um, but when we went to visit one of the schools, and I actually went to visit this one with Tim, I could just, I could just sense that the school wasn't a good fit. Like, something was really off. And Tim was becoming pretty withdrawn. Um, he wasn't excited about the move, even though he was making plans with me. Um... And then he said to me, whenever we make a big decision like this, we pray about it. We haven't prayed about this. That wasn't what I wanted to hear. <laughs> we were moving in the direction I wanted to move. Literally move. I mean, I thought we would be back with my family. But I realized that he was right. So I had this internal struggle going on. And I began to pray. And that was my first act of submission. Submitting to my husband to pray about the move. My prayers weren't always in the right attitude. They would often be two-sided. Lord, please reveal where you want us to go, as long as it's in Minnesota. But God began working in my heart. And there was one night in that summer in 2009 where a really strange Thing happened. Um, we went to church that Sunday night, as usual, and um, it was an evening that most of the staff will groan about. It was the night of the sex panel, um, where people, <laughs> where my friends, I watched my friends answer embarrassing, awkward questions about sex in front of everybody. But while I was sitting there, I realized that I loved this kind of ministry, this vulnerable, honest, loving, caring ministry at Scum of the Earth Church, and that this was the kind of church I was looking for all along. And I felt God tell me, this is the place I have for you. And I cried. 
not happy tears, really. I was sad. I was very devastated that we were not moving back to Minnesota. But I knew that this is what God wanted for us. Tim wanted to be here. The Lord was calling me to work here in some way. And so I submitted again. And a couple months later, after Tim had already started school or was about to start school at um, Lincoln College of Technology, um, I sat down with Mike Stairs and I told him that we were going to stay in Denver and I, I was going to be a scum. And I was asking if there was a, some way I could serve, if I could teach a Bible study or, you know, how I could get more involved. Um, because I hadn't really gotten that involved since I thought we were going to be leaving this entire time. And it, almost immediately, Mike started talking about offering me a job. I did not expect that at all. And within a few months, my staff support account was to the point where I could start working and get a paycheck. And God really provided a place for me. And I've come to love this community more than I did then, for sure. The funny thing is, my submission wasn't over at that point. I had to decide if I could submit to a complementarian leadership because I am an egalitarian. My pride said no. But I decided that I could. I decided that it would be the best thing for me, for the community. And we've, I've been working here for a year and a half. And it's been great. The truth is, I'm still learning what it means to submit. There are times when I overshare my opinion, when I start directing people, when maybe I should take a step back and listen. My tendency is to take charge. But when, I've, when we submit to one another in reverence to Christ, we build up the community. We become the people who God intended us to be. It can really be a beautiful thing. And that's all I have to say.